Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome along to Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. It's a real pleasure to have you along today uh, to look at another big issue in the industry that uh, I know many members have have raised uh, with, with us. But first, um, just a little update from REC Towers. Uh, you may have seen recently we launched our Jobs Outlook. That's our survey of uh, recruiting client businesses. And that tells us that actually confidence about hiring and investing in clients own businesses is still growing still very strong uh, decoupled a little bit actually now from the outlook for the wider economy where clients are a lot more cautious and that has to be linked of course to inflation i think we'll see that difference grow a little bit over the next few months because uh, clearly respondents to the survey are feeling pretty confident in their own business but they're super concerned about the path of prices going forward as we see across the whole economy and of course playing out for households in the cost of living debate that we're seeing just now. For the moment though I think still a pretty positive outlook for the market across the second quarter. Other things going on at the REC well I want to mention to you are both our board elections which are coming up soon and uh, the vacancy that we have on our professional standards committee that's the committee that independently hears complaints against REC members who are uh, uh, who have uh, are suspected of potentially not keeping to the code of conduct they are both coming up soon for appointment at the AGM in the summer do take a look on the REC website at the job descriptions for those if you might be interested in standing as you know we're a member owned and a member governed organisation so it's really important to have active members on both our board and that professional standards committee and finally draw your attention to something that we're publishing in the week that this podcast comes out which is our guidance with the Fawcett Society on discussing salary in the interview uh, process. We are very keen to make sure that the way we deal with salary uh, is not discriminatory and we've done some fantastic work with the Fawcett Society of uh, a, a uh, great women's equality charity uh, named after Millicent Fawcett of course the great suffragist um, to help steer uh, members to, to get things right in that area. So do take a look at that on the website as well. Now let's turn to today's discussion and to our guest and we're going to come back for a second dig at this issue of candidate sourcing and particularly the, the challenges uh, many members are facing about uh, candidate supply at the moment but also working with jobs boards and I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Thomas, uh, Thomas Prince from uh, Talent Nexus. Thomas, welcome to the REC podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Um, why don't we start? Why don't you tell us a little bit about Talent Nexus and what you do, and then we'll dig into some of the, the questions that uh, are on members' minds. Sure. Well, I'll keep it brief. I'm one of the co-founders of Talent Nexus. Um, we're a recruitment advertising technology company. Um, so we, we sit in that in that middle space between employers and staffing firms looking to find candidates and all of the media that exists in the market, whether it be, the, you know, the traditional job boards, the new performance job boards, LinkedIn, you know, wherever it exists. Um, so our, our role simply is to help our, our clients spend the money as efficiently as possible. So as you can imagine, we're having an awful lot of conversations about 
price-wise is, candidate supply, what else can we be doing, you know, and, and all those questions. So uh, going back to a previous discussion that we had uh, uh, on the podcast with my colleague Christian Fowles-Smith uh, just recently, that sense of the jobs board market has moved very quickly. Certainly some jobs boards are trying to push through some eye-watering uh, price increases, which may or may not be justified by the ROI that uh, recruiters are getting feels to me that that intermediary role that sort of media buying style approach um uh that that you've just set out the talent nexus do makes you quite uh gives you an, an interesting position to to watch what's happening so what to your mind is going on in the jobs board market right now in terms of these price increases but also the different products that jobs boards are pushing i mean certainly we're seeing more change in the job board market now than we have in 12 years 14 years i mean i've been in the market for i think 17 or 18 years and job board marketing has felt pretty similar you know in, in that in that whole time um in the last 6 12 months we've seen more change than than i can remember so i mean the, the, obviously the total jobs price increase is something that you know is on everyone's mind because it's such a uh, you know it's been such a significant increase relatively speaking um but it's also by no means the only price increase in the market. Um, but we're, we're also, you know, lots and lots and lots of th- things are happening at once. Um, you know, Brexit, as you know, I'm sure you know, you've discussed to to a large extent, has had a huge impact and actually hasn't really made you know the news in the same way that it might have done had it not been for covid and ukraine and you know all, all of these other you know things happening in the world at the same time um there's a huge candidate shortage almost across the board which you know you feel walking down the high street as much as you feel in restaurants as much as you you know when we speak to our clients and they can't recruit you know warehouse staff or you know call center staff um you know, it used to, I mean, this is just my experience, but it used to be that, you know, the difficult recruitment was, you know, the accountants and the lawyers. And, you know, it's always a case of, you know, how do we use the main job boards? How do we use niche job boards? You know, to what extent can you even advertise for these people rather than using, you know, your little black book? You know, it was all kind of the same conversation. Now that those, you know, the high volume roles, you know, call centers, warehousing, drivers, logistics, if anything are much uh, are even more difficult you know there's not a single type of candidate that is kind of readily available and, and we haven't even touched on you know nursing and, and care you know all those sorts of topics so uh, certainly the feeling we get is that pretty much you know regardless of kind of sector or seniority or anything else our clients are struggling to to access candidates it's, it's a hugely hugely competitive market and that is obviously what is driving up the cost of the job boards themselves acquiring candidate traffic which you know is obviously being passed on so i i think that's right I mean, certainly to my mind you've got you know if you accept the kind of tony wilson ies idea as i do that we're probably about six hundred thousand below where we should be in terms of uh pre-pandemic labor supply and it, had we been growing at the rate we were pre-pandemic about a million below where we should be and you see that in the numbers of hours worked being not up yet up to pre-pandemic levels you can understand therefore the pressure on jobs boards who for a decade or more have had a relatively interesting your take on this a relatively passive business model which is you know you get big enough that 
you can advertise on the telly and people find you on Google or they find you uh, based on having seen your ad and you have enough stock on there to be to have the critical mass of attracting uh, eyeballs. In, an, in a market where fewer people are looking for roles, particularly those kind of general staffing roles that you discussed in hospitality, retail and so forth, there seems to me to be a natural pressure on a model which you know, probably replaced on in the paper advertising uh, as the way you advertise jobs for this kind of general staffing market. Now, I was in recruitment at the time that Monster came first came online and uh, the the paper started to lose that regular flow of job ads that they always used to have. Um, and one of the responses from the papers was just to jack up the costs. Um, and it didn't work because the eyeballs weren't there. So I think one of the, the questions that I have about the jobs boards, and be interested in your, your take on this, is if they're increasing prices, do they actually have the capacity to develop the new products that will get candidate numbers back up? Or are they charging more for the same? In which case, you know, how are you solving the problem? It, it would be easy to characterise that you know job boards as having been quite similar, but but candidate behaviour has changed enormously since job boards, you know, kind of burst onto the scene with people like Monster, which feels like an awfully long time ago. I mean, whilst whilst we have seen some what I'd consider relatively mild. Um, you know changes in products and platform job boards are pretty much the same online marketplaces that they have always been um we are seeing some new models um you know you could pick out somebody like sonic jobs who are a uh, like a mobile app um designed specifically for people that maybe maybe don't have a you know a paper cv maybe don't have access to a desktop computer but they do have a smartphone so they download the app and it's kind of like swipe left swipe right for you know for job seeking um but, but, you know, equally, you know, the Reads of Total Jobs have mobile apps and our mobile-friendly websites. Um, I think the, the changes that we're seeing are much more driven by the, the kind of economics, by supply and demand, than they are by changes in technology. For example, like, you know, we still use CVs for the most part. Like, there's nothing that's kind of fundamentally changed in the kind of candidate journey, you know, that, that is going to or isn't going to make kind of job boards you know, obsolete. So, so really, it's kind of the it's supply and demand is shifting labour markets. That that's that's now what's causing you know issues around price and supply and demand, and it, and it's what it's what you know is driving like new product development. So then, then the the pressure then on the jobs boards has shifted from having the scale to be competitive and visible to candidates to being able to justify the prices that they're charging based on having access to having candidate having access to those candidates so the the throughput question is subtly different and i think that's where um the nature of the choices that recruiters have in terms of how they engage with uh this market comes through really is a much clearer challenge than before because in a world where credits were relatively cheap 
you could bang out a credit and what came in came in and then pursue other potential sourcing methods now if you're spending a credit you want an um you, you're much more closely watched roi from the point of view of a recruiter so what where do we go where do we go from here what happens next yeah, I, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. What, what's now changing is advertiser behavior rather than candidate behavior. So an example, that, I mean, we're having conversations about this all the time. I, I was on the phone with one of our kind of um, larger clients this morning. Um, and, you know, same conversation, you know, job board quotes have come back in. They are significantly, significantly more expensive um, than the, you know, than their previous annual contracts. Uh, they're also seeing massive uh, increases in how much they're spending on kind of the performance job boards, like Indeed and and uh, you know the other performance job boards they're using. Um, and, and the question is, you know, what 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 do they do? Um, and, and to be honest, I, I think most of most of our clients are following a similar kind of thought pattern, which is like initially they're annoyed, obviously, and, and frustrated. Um, I'd even go as far as say in some cases a little bit kind of emotionally aggrieved. You know, we've just come through what's been, you know, an exceptionally difficult couple of years for a lot of recruiters. And, you know, you, you finally feel like you're, you know, you're out in front again and the market's picking up and there's optimism. Then it's like, oh, and there's this huge kind of cost that you weren't expecting. So there's like a natural reaction to that. And I think that, that actually builds on a sense in which that some suppliers did not share the pain, perhaps, as... Uh, firms maybe felt that they should back in March and April and May 2020. So there was a kind of underlying grievance there that has bubbled up. Just for clarity, I absolutely recognise that emotional response from talking to REC members. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm I'm not going to comment on, um, you know, the behaviour of the the job. I mean, we we saw some really you know frankly quite nice and generous things happening from from the job boards you know during that time what i would say is there does appear to have been a massive range of experiences <laughs> you know from, from from very good to very bad so um yeah but but you know that gets us to where we are now obviously there's this kind of like oh great the market's picking up um the reality is many staffing firms do not have a huge range of options i mean in the uk it's, it's kind of a four horse race in terms of volume recruitment we've got indeed and touch jobs we've got read and cv library um th- th- there isn't really a you know a fifth and a sixth and a seventh that you could put in that kind of same category when we're talking about volume no discredit to the niche job boards and the other platforms and whatever but you know in terms of big volume uh you know job boards um so most of our clients are going okay yes that's annoying and that's yes that's frustrating and actually i didn't allow in my marketing budget for a, you know a fourfold increase in the in the cost of this contract but they do recognize that you know whether it's total jobs or read or civil or whoever that actually they are to some extent dependent and to some extent um you, you know kind of well rewarded with that investment and so they will continue to invest but they are going to change how they invest and that and that's kind of the point about like changing advertiser behavior. So, I mean, this is only one example, but in this particular example, um, big national recruiter, generally kind of warehousing logistics, uh, you know, like driver hub type type roles. Um, they've, they basically rapidly did a bit of analysis that, that we helped them with that basically said, okay, well, we advertise for, you know, kind of six core types of roles rather than going, what's the ROI of a job board across every job that we have? what's the ROI for each of these six different role types? And what they've ended up doing is renewing the contract only for four out of six of the 
uh, you know, off the walls they advertise where they see that where they see really good strong ROI and where that that price increases, you know, is in proportion to the money they make from it. Um, and I, I guess I mean again, it's it's only a specific example. Different people are doing different things, but this particular company was guilty, if I'm honest, of you know they bought a lot of credits. They didn't keep particularly good track of how they were used. Recruitment consultants within that organization were doing a lot of th- were doing things like reposting jobs. So, you know, like by the time one job had expired, it had maybe been reposted five or six times and consumed five or six credits. You know, with new credit pricing, that is an incredibly expensive exercise. They've, you know, they've eliminated that. Um, and like on the CV database side, they had, you know, pretty much all their recruiters had these CV database licenses. They did a big review and they found that actually, you know, only 20% of those license holders had actually logged in, uh, you know, to those databases in the last month. So they went through and like, you know, cut that right down. It's just being a bit more thoughtful, isn't it? And I suppose it's not that dissimilar to, you know, elect- electricity prices are higher. So finally, me and my wife are, you know, only filling the kettle with the amount of water we need. Like as things get more expensive, you you just take better care of them. And again, it's completely standard and it's and it's uninteresting. But we have seen a massive renewed focus on writing decent quality job ads. And and I think if there's one thing as an industry we could all hold our hands up to, it's that the, the general standard of job advert creation is poor. And when you're spending, you know, four four x on the job advert, it 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 does pay to to make those a lot better. So so that's kind of that's that's a, a fairly indicative example of what people are doing. Um, but I think what's one of the problems is that the changes are happening so quickly that most firms can't make the the kind of changes that they'd like to make in time before they have to make a decision on the renewals. And and I think that's where some of the maybe slight feeling of um frustration is coming from in that if if you know they'd maybe had a bit more notice they could have been doing some slightly longer term things so they could have started trials with other other websites they could have maybe uh focused on the quality of their data so uh, you know a lot of our clients will have really good data on how many applications they get from each of their job or partners but they might not have really good data on what proportion of those applicants was you know good quality relevant for the job that they advertise um most recruiters have the tools to store that data so you know they might have something like broad or readable or logic melon where they could you know green flag or thumbs up or whatever you know a, a good candidate but in many cases the recruiters aren't either aren't using those tools or aren't using them consistently and and now those same firms are having to to look at their data to work out well do we get good roi do we continue to invest? And they don't actually have the data in place to make a data-led decision. And and then they're sitting there, you know, <laughs> a bit, a little bit finger in the air, trying to work out whether they should write a huge check or not without much data to go on. Um, so, you know, it, 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 a lot of people have been put in a very difficult position by, by I guess, the kind of the speed of change. Um, I think in a year's time that the whole market is going to look very different. And we're going to see some quite like... Uh, advanced advertising techniques um one of our clients recently started doing what they call hub and spoke um advertising i've also heard it called cluster advertising so this this is kind of the it's it's an e-commerce concept really so so let's say you've got a team that primarily advertises warehouse roles and and previously you might have like every single warehouse role that team got you might have you know loaded and then posted on a job board you take the best say 10 percent uh of those job ads in terms of performance and they're the ones that you uh 
you post, but then obviously you use the candidates coming back for that role across, you know, kind of the whole team, which is the whole kind of, you know, previously we would call that talent pipelining or whatever, but it's, it's a specific recruitment advertising strategy to, just so you need less credits, basically. Um, so, you know, I, I think we'll see ma- massive changes in how advertisers do stuff. And, and hopefully, you know, you'd like to think this will result in a, a world where we're seeing you know, much better quality job ads across all of the job boards, a much better candidate experience. Um, though that might be too much to wish for, I don't know. <laughs> I think it is perfectly plausible that you can underpin candidate experience um, with the changes that you make, given that in this market, candidate care is client care because candidates are so uh, so hard to come by, especially in some of these general staffing fields. And you've identified a few things there. One's about timing. You know, What can you do now versus what can you do in the world where you've got a bit of time to build up your strategy? One's about data. Do you have the data that you need to make the right sorts of decisions? And then one's about behaviour, whether it's a kind of hub spoke example which I really like uh, of you know viewing a credit as an opportunity to get a group of candidates into your system uh, and once they're in your system thinking about well if you've got five ten good candidates here and you're placing three of them what are you going to do with the rest uh, but also that kind of consultant behavior piece I know talking to REC members that um, you know there's a couple of examples where exactly as you say actually Thomas the um, the the companies looked at the data and has worked out the job boards work for these, but actually social media, LinkedIn or Facebook works for these other areas. And initially, I think consultants can be quite resistant to that, not least because so few of our consultants today have worked in a genuinely candidate short, candidate oriented market because we've we haven't ha- really had one for twenty years. Um, so there's a bit of cultural and behavioural change that needs to happen in agencies as well as this uh, changes and that that of course will drive the change in advertiser behavior mm, I, I think that's exactly right what, what i would just say on that is that in our in my experience it it's almost impossible to change recruitment consultancy uh, recruitment consultant behavior um you know the amount of money we've seen spent on like you know training workshops crib sheets uh you know, and, and like policing by you know marketing teams of recruitment consultants um to, to almost no positive effect and, and actually it can often be end up being quite a toxic exercise um and we could all comment on why that would be i mean i, th- I think generally recruitment consultants who who are successful are successful because of the way they work their processes you know like sales in general is a is a you know it's a process isn't it um and they get that quite finely honed and they don't want someone else coming in and you know telling them how to do that um so so where we're seeing success is actually kind of at like a systems level rather than a behavior uh, like a you know changing behavior level so it, we, we had a a huge like global recruiter that we're dealing with that basically have, have recently made a change so that whereas previously any candidate that came into their multi-poster would go through to their ATS and be stored in their you know in their CRM um, now those candidates are only moved across once they are um, uh, like ranked or, or rated thus I mean, I'm sure there are still consultants out there that are just, you know, like thumbs upping all the candidates to get through the exercise. But actually, we are seeing a, a huge increase and improvement in, you know, the amount of and quality of data that we're getting about candidates, which is then helping us, you know, from a marketing perspective. So I, I think it's um, it's important to tackle, the, you know, these sorts of challenges in the right way. And generally speaking, for what it's worth, 
trying to change behavior we've I, I don't think there's a single example i mean you know we must work with 200 you know big staff firms I, we've never seen it work um the other behavior change that is taking place at the moment is a kind of a shift from historically in the uk specifically not so true in other regions it's always been the case that recruitment consultants generally are responsible for where the job advert goes so they have something like a multi-poster when they go to post the jobs they'll you know they'll tick total jobs they'll tick read they'll tick see like they'll tick indeed or not but but they're kind of in charge of that part of the the process we've seen a massive swing away from that towards centralized marketing control of where jobs get posted and that's partly to allow automated posting tools and algorithm posting tools to do their jobs so rather than rather than having to go even at like a uh, a segment level like okay generally our engineering jobs do well on these job boards you can actually allow software to get much more specific and say well okay these types of engineering jobs in these locations in these seniority levels do well on a combination of you know the engineer plus total jobs plus this plus this and 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 it will handle that posting for you so it's so it's that kind of shift from taking posting control out of the hands of individual recruitment consultants and then in order to get those same consultants uh, you know a much better quantity and quality of response um you know uh, taking that control and centralizing it in a marketing team that can use data to inform those uh those decision making and that doesn't have to be algorithms it can just be you know data and trial and error and whatever but that it sounds like a small thing but actually in, you know in the recruit market that's that's a really big shift and it's massively empowering for um recruitment consultancy owners and their marketing colleagues who now you know are getting this feeling of kind of much better control over job posting and, and spend on job posting i think that so I agree with most of that. I think systems have to be a priority. I'm less of a skeptic on changing behavior than you are. I think it's because um, I, I think you have to view behavior through the right lens and it's probably a medium to long-term lens. I think how we train recruitment consultants will have to be different as they come in over year, over the, the next uh, few months and years. I think we've already seen changes in reward starting to filter through the industry changing in focus you know certainly there was already a big move away from 360 to 180 pre-pandemic i think that's continuing uh with ever greater levels of specialism uh through uh through the post-pandemic period so i think those things on behavior probably do touch the sides but they take their their longer burn they don't solve your problem uh, if you're a recruitment agency owner right now, whereas the system stuff is obviously an opportunity to make a big leap, where behaviour touches that is, of course, you've got to get the consultants on side uh, with the systems change, and that does require a set of comms skills and and that data that you talked about earlier to be persuasive. Yeah, I I, I think you're right now, and I, and I think maybe the, the issue with these types of changes is that often by the time you are in a position to make the change, it's very urgent. And, and you know maybe there isn't that that time for the kind of you know behavioural change approach, but yeah, you you know you you are of course correct. Um, so before we close, let's um, imagine the average REC member or director owner operator of a of a uh, of an agency who's listening to this, and they're thinking right, okay, I get what you say, Thomas, about data and systems and uh, getting more bang for my buck from my sourcing. Um, where um, 
um, where do I go next? What What's the first one or two steps I have to take to construct myself a media strategy for this world? Yeah, good question. So so to get really, really tangible, I, the, the first thing I'd encourage people to do is, is to try try and, and go from the kind of like frustration and emotional response to a positive mindset, which is that any change in the market creates an opportunity. So let's take that that opportunity. You know, like if, if you guys are, are you guys are in the same boat as all of your competitors and the rest of the market. You know, this isn't confined to you. So if you therefore respond better to this change, that's going to be a competitive advantage. Um, I I think to kind of summarise things that I, that we'd be working with our clients to do immediately. Um, that the first thing we we'd we'd be doing is, is trying to. It, trying to get data in place so that when it comes down to sitting and, and you know doing that audit and trying to work through where to post what jobs and whatever we've we've got a fighting chance um so make sure that all the candidates running through you know your software of choice and and try and make sure that they are being ranked that in many cases there is an inverse correlation between those channels that send the most candidates and those channels that send the best candidates and if you don't have the data um, on, on on which the best candidates are, then by default you're going to go with the candidate with the channels that are delivering the most in terms of volume. And therefore, what you actually end up doing is actively optimizing away from quality. So that that's an important step. Um, I'd make sure you do just have a complete picture of all your contracts. Um, so so you know what are the start and end dates of all the contracts. Start getting. Um, don't wait for the job boards to contact you with the renewal quotes like you know get ahead of it four months out you know what what are the prices likely to be you know what are the contract terms looking like um, it's well worth engaging with I mean I appreciate I'm a bit biased here so uh, full disclosure you know we are a media buying agency but I would suggest getting a partner on side um, I mean it's all very well if you're you know Manpower or Hayes or Adeco um, but if you're not certainly then um, working with an ad agency whoever it is a, a you know a media buying partner whoever it is they will have access to a huge amount of data beyond the scope of your organization so you know if you do a civil engineers they'll have 20 other clients that also recruit for civil engineers and they those clients you know will be giving them this kind of broad awareness of, of where you can find those candidates online um it, it has always been true it continues to, to be true that you also get cost savings from working with a, a media buy partner and, and whereas you know if credits were six quid a pop that that might seem like more hassle than it's worth obviously with much higher credit prices you know 10 15 percent discounts on media start to look a lot more attractive um so, so I'd, I'd i'd make sure you've got that clear picture of exactly where you are now um and before you have to make a decision about a, if, if you know if you're lucky enough that you've still got a bit of time before that big renewal comes up whatever that is to your organization work out what your options are by running trials so you know let's say you've got that big renewal coming up in three months time with one of the you know the big four job boards start running like for like trials using the same job content advertised in the same way on the other big job boards if nothing else, it will put you in a really strong negotiating position going into that big renewal. Um, best case, you might find that one of the other big job boards, maybe even if historically they've not worked for you due to the way the market's changed, and and I certainly would throw away any uh, you know historical um, you know conceptions you've built up about the effectiveness of the different job boards because it has all changed. Um, 
you might actually find there's another partner out there that can you know do the same or better or the same but cheaper um when you're exploring those options like yes it's kind of a four horse race in terms of the you know the big ones um but it's a great time to be talking to niche job boards about you know maybe you know trials and um, pilots um it's a great time to be exploring the world of performance job boards it, whether that's performance on the traditional boards you know total jobs have launched performance uh a performance offering you know i believe receive library and read have or, or will soon have uh, similar offerings um indeed is the obvious performance vendor but but outside of that you've got this huge uh, range of performance job boards that are uh, that it is likely your competitors are not using which is you know at this point a great uh, a potential advantage so think you know talent.com um you know, massive growth, just received 120 million pounds in funding, a great team to work with. Um, Adzuna, you know, have always been one of the largest players in the in the UK performance market. I mentioned Sonic Jobs at the beginning of the call. For, for certain job types, you know, a fantastic way to reach, uh, reach those candidates. Um, so I, I think there's a, a danger at this point that people go, oh, well, you know, screw that particular job board you know i'm going to you know we're going to use facebook or twitter or uh, we're just going to do headhunting or, or whatever i think it would, it would probably put you in a more comfortable decision making position if actually you've run like flight trials across a whole range of job boards built up a load of data it, it'll, it'll build your market picture at the same time and then if, if you really want like the gold star and you know really want to get out in front you, the, the shift is to stop thinking about media buying at an organizational level. The question is not, should your recruitment consultancy use job board X? It's for which of your jobs should you use each combination of job boards? Um, that, that question gives you all the power in terms of being able to come up with those combinations of job packages that are gonna, gonna see. And again, like if, if, that, if you don't have the internal marketing resource to make that happen, engage a, uh, you know, a third party that can help you with it. Um, but that, that that unlocks the cost savings. You know, if, if you need to drive that, you know, 40% cost saving rather than a 10% cost saving, you have to think about it job category by job category, not as an organization. Thanks, Thomas. I think that that question is, as you say, hugely powerful. And of course, it opens up a number of ways of thinking about these things because it allows you to seat race other things that aren't jobs boards in the same sort of way so you know if linkedin works for you if facebook works for you in parts of what what you do um i think that kind of test operate world um it is a mindset that we as an industry have to move towards that was a hugely powerful bit of guidance so thank you for it um and thank you for joining me on the pod today if people want to find out a little bit more about talent nexus where should they look thomas well, they'd be very welcome to look up myself on LinkedIn um, or talentnexus.com uh, um, and, and contact us via that. Um, we, we've got a really good team here. So, it, you know, whether it's just an, an ad hoc piece of like informal advice about a contract that you've got coming up or, or you know, something, a, a much more wide ranging question, you know, we've, we've got people here that can, that can help with that or we could signpost you to the right organisations. Super. Thank you. And thank you for your time this afternoon. Thank you. And that's it for this edition of Talking Recruitment. I just want to flag one more thing uh, to you before we close, and that is that the REC's 
conference is on June the 30th this year. It's all digital, all online from wherever you are. Fantastic content. We've got a client panel looking at how client businesses are changing. I've got a workforce panel looking at uh, our own recruitment workforce, which is a big issue uh, with every REC member I talk to. We're looking forward to welcoming the former Secretary of State for Health, Matthew Hancock, to talk about the future of health staffing, as well as a pa- uh, as a great mix of industry leaders and some inspirational speakers and some really focused workshops looking at some of the issues we've dug in today, but uh, into today, but also some other uh, really important issues. Not forgetting, of course, that focus on equality, diversity, and inclusion, which in a candidate-type market is not only the right thing to do; it's also the economically sensible thing to do. Uh, given uh, the need to keep our clients' businesses growing as we power out of the pandemic. So thank you for your time, and I hope you join us again on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, do check out our back catalogue. There's lots across 2022 already, from uh, use of AI tools in recruitment through to the role of the human being at the heart of a recruitment firm with Katrina Collier. That's a fantastic listen. Do check it out on the REC website or on your normal podcast channel. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.